0: hello there you might want to pull up a chair this is what what they say in Hawaii aloha hello and goodbye Um, don't know really but I will figure that out Um, things are very rough around here and radiation is kind of a funny deal because you start to think that the way you're expressing yourself is rational and making sense and then when you read back your written words you think wow did I really say that so I have, um, um, here's the thing, things are really escalating around here and um, it's been really cold and I've been keeping the heat off and the thermostat, it's been about 40 degrees so um, there's just a lot of things going on and um, I would suggest that you pay attention. Pay attention to the smells in your house and stuff because they didn't put these things on our houses just to sit there idly, right? I may just happen to be the first person who is recording what happens when these smart meters get into higher activity, but I'm here to tell you that they're in 80 or 90% of our homes in this country for a significant reason, and that reason is because in most of of the states here, if you're not from this country, like I'm in Nebraska, and we only have one electricity company, right? So most states, about half of the states here have gone under privatization, meaning that, well, it was to rob people, but um, privatization meaning that there may be several utility carriers within that state, because I know when I was looking into Ohio, I think they have four or so utility carriers, but generally it is not a complicated system, okay, so let's say worst case, every state in the country has three, okay, well, that would be 150 if you just multiply by 50, 50, whatever, 150 roughly, right? how complicated would it be to have on a chart these 150 locations and the people in the know would know who to call to put out the address of somebody they want them to focus on right this is this is not genius level stuff manipulation this is not genius level matrix stuff (laughs) this is simple effective and cheap right those are the things i always look for right cheaper than bullets more effective so I don't know what to say because for people who don't know what's going on, it must be a horrendous experience because where would you go to get answers when you're having those days when you're not functioning properly, right? Um, And even when you try to explain people that the effects of radiation lead to you not functioning properly, people don't even really absorb that because we live in a society that until it happens to them, they're not going to hear what you're saying, right? so the first time you show any kind of confusion they won't remember that you talked about being confused they will move into oh that was really a bitch thing to do right so they will move into blame the victim mode which seems to be the basis of our society right everybody is trained to move in and assault the victim first right (laughs) so right or wrong that's what everybody's doing right so and if i've ever done that in the past i certainly have a great deal of regret over having participated in this part because This deal about if it hasn't happened to you, it's not important, is a pretty frightening place for a society to be in. Our ability to walk past people living on the streets and not even think anything is a pretty, pretty significant place to be. And so what I'm going to be doing today is this. Um, there's a few things that were like big mysteries to me through all this, right? Like, how do we get so many psychopaths? Because like for the last 25 years, I have said this, consistently the same thing. We're surrounded by psychopaths. They're sitting right next to us, and they're hiding in plain sight. Well, come to find out, I was right, okay? So what's the deal? Well, I was unclear how they got so many of them, right? And for a while, I was thinking, because of their belief in magic, I was thinking that they were possibly storing some souls someplace that they were releasing down onto the game board, right? But I think it's different than that now. That that gives them way too much credit, okay? How they got there was by separating children from their mother, the same thing that happened to these people in charge. And I'll I'll get to that in a minute here, okay? Because... um, It started with the children okay and now they're breeding a type of person I'm not saying that all these people will classify as a person without a conscience which would be a psychopath but you can breed a pretty distant non-emotionally involved person by a few simple steps robbing them of their childhood taking away their mother not letting them know who their mother was, and there's a lot of thi- lot of things about all this that play into this, so yeah, um, but let me, let me see here, so I'll get into that in a bit here, because what they also did to these orphans, they also gave them mentally ill categories, which shows you how this whole thing is just, <laughs> well... It's bad enough that you were abused as a child. It's bad enough that your mother was out of your life. But these maniacs come in and give you a mental illness diagnosis for that abandonment. So for the rest of your life, you got to tick that box that says, yes, I have a mental illness. See, they have, they have effectively gone through our entire society and labeled all of us with mental illnesses, okay? Don't get me started on all of that, okay? <laughs> I mean, I personally, full disclosure... I spent two nights in a mental psychiatric ward in this country. This would have been in the 90s. when I, I was having a lot of fun when I was going through that lawsuit with Intel. Yeah, I spent two nights in a psychiatric ward. I ended up one night in the county jail, and people were like, oh, they couldn't do that legally. Well, yeah, yeah, they, they did it, right? So the response to people when you try to talk about these things always just gets shut down, and it becomes, well, you should just sue them. <laughs> I did sue Intel. It took me almost five years. That is not the answer that somebody who's going through conflict wants to hear from somebody, okay? Just saying. So when you try to talk about these things to others, the only response you'll get is not any sign of compassion. Well, I'm sorry that happened to you. It's a matter of they just want to discount you and say, well, you should have sued them. Not a matter of that. It has to do with our disconnection, right? Our, our, our complete disconnection from each other. Um, Yeah, so they ended up locking me up for two nights. They could have locked me up for more. Um, They could lock anybody up. (laughs) We were declared enemies of the state. I can't stress that often enough. Um, They have a way of flagging us, okay? They just have ways of flagging us. And how they confuse the issue is they have all of their agents acting like they're the ones being flagged, okay? For example, right now we have... um, Who's the biggest mouth? Oh, you have um, Tahibi, the guy who used to write for the Rolling Stone, Matt Tahibi, he's running around with the Twitter files, okay, and now they're saying, oh, they called the IRS on him. Well, that is controlled opposition, and that's how they start to make Matt look like one of us, right? So then his friends, Glenn Greenwald, all of them join in. They're all controlled opposition. Jimmy Dore happened to go to Columbia all of these people have a tell they're all there to deceive okay so can't remember why i was talking about that but anyway so <laughs> a few of these things have have been on my mind for a long time like i wondered why did some of the people from the nazi deal end up in south america well here's why i think why i think that happened okay and, and today Sean, i'm just going to wrap up a few odd details <laughs> that have been on my mind. So why do I think the some people went to the United States out of the Nazi deal and why did some of them go to South America? Well, pretty simple answer here. Um, There was a CIA report from 2010 because there was a New York Times article talking about Operation Paperclip, which is the Operation, which supposedly they brought over Nazi scientists to work in the United States, okay? Now, so this was a big disclosure. They found that, you know, they're going through these freedom of information things. They're digging up this stuff, okay? So that's where their black and white thing comes in, good and evil, right? So they tell the good side along with the evil side. Okay, so in this article, they were talking about the... What they essentially did in this article was they confirmed that the um, CIA brought Nazis okay, to this country under Operation Paperclip. But what did I get out of this? Well, kind of a goldmine because... um, So they were talking about the many Nazi scientists who specialize in chemical, biological... And radioactive warfare, and who were secretly relocated in the United States between the years 1946 and 1958. So and that was Operation Paperclip. And there was a New York Times article they said had stunning news. And it went on to say For those who were knowledgeable of the Pentagon's and CIA's long overlooked aggressive efforts at recruiting and utilizing. Nazi scientists. The article was mostly old news, but its publication, along with his accusatory finger, pointed at the intelligence agency was encouraging, and this article was from 2010 in the New York Times, okay? And, um, okay, let me see here. So, um, anyway, so, the article confirmed that the CIA had denied this, but it was true that Nazis were imported here. Okay, we already know this part, right? But what I hadn't what hadn't occurred to me, the reason for South America was because, you know, I, I said this before that I was an avid fan of World War II documentaries. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't think there was one I didn't watch, okay? So, um... Yeah, I always wondered about those people going to South America. Like, why, they, go, why they Why they? Why did some of them go to South America, and so many of them come here? Well, what happened was, and this is me filling in the pieces. This is what I think now. Okay, I think what happened was this: the worst ones. Okay, like this person called the Butcher of Lion, Klaus Barbie. Klaus Barbie. K L A U S Barbie. You'll find this very easily. B A R B I E. He was called the Kla- the Butcher of Lion, L Y O N. Okay. So, what they did, and this is just me filling in the blanks, okay. What it looks like they did was they set them up in CIA locations in South America in safe havens to work on other CIA projects. <laughs> so, because I'm assuming, and this is just me filling in the blanks here, that people finding out about Klaus Barbie and them on U.S. soil would make their hair stand up straight, right? So they ship the worst ones, the worst sounding ones, over to South America is likely the simple answer, okay. And you remember in the past I've talked about them doing cocaine? (laughs) Okay, this is a good one. This is a good one. (laughs) This is a great one. Okay, now. Okay. Um... ran across this this week this makes my week okay this was in the daily mail okay and what they're disclosing (laughs) they have their own cocaine factory here in the United States (laughs) I kid you not okay (laughs) because they need the cocaine leaves for certain medications and stuff they use okay and everybody has talked about them having cocaine in Coca-Cola, right, back in the day. So, this, this thing said, this article said, The importance of cocoa leaves in the making in the making Coca-Cola, in, in the making Coke, people are terrible writers, in the making of Coca-Cola, it should have said, dates back to the invention of the drink by Dr. John... Stith, F-T-I-T-H, Pemberton, in the 1880s. Here again. This game board got rigged around the 1880s, okay? So anyway, so Pemberton, a biochemist and pharmacist from Georgia, concocted a unique syrup blending cocoa leaf extract, which was known at the time to contain increasingly popular cocaine, with West African cola nuts containing caffeine. The syrup could be diluted with soda and was marketed as a medicine for combating pain and fatigue. (laughs) It'll pep you up, it sure will. (laughs) Okay, so this gets even better. So, Pemberton's drink quickly grew in popularity and in 1888, a lot of eights there, right? His son sold the recipe patent to this Georgia businessman for around $2,300, the equivalent of $75,000 today. So they founded the Coca-Cola company to make use of the patent and famously marketed Coke as being delicious, refreshing, exhilarating, and invigorating. The business was a huge success, and he eventually went on to become the mayor of Atlanta. (laughs) Just like, you know, all these people that I've been looking into, I may may or may may not have talked about them, but they all went on to found things like, oh, this one guy who was giving cancer to patients over in, uh, where was it? He was a doctor, I think he was from Chicago. He was over in Puerto Rico, giving people cancer. And he was writing back to his colleagues in this country talking about giving people in that country cancer. Well, he went on to be like the head of the Cancer Society. <laughs> so in all these cases, the perpetuators always end up with the big titles, right? See how it works? They give themselves those fancy titles. They give themselves all those <laughs> ribbons and gold buttons and stuff. <laughs> so... Um, and went on to say, although the Coca-Cola Company stopped including cocaine in the drink at the turn of the 19th century, it continued using cocoa leaves for flavor. In 1903, the company started working with a Germ- Germ- German chemist, of course, Dr. Louis Schaeffer, who immigrated to the U.S. in 1885. Schaeffer founded the, this is important to know, Schaefer founded the Maywood, M-A-W-O-O-D, Chemical Works, okay, which went on to work in close consort with federal agencies to import Peruvian cocoa leaves to his chemical plant in New Jersey. So, (laughs) the place we're looking for is Maywood Chemical Works in New Jersey, okay? So, in 1921, and that was in... um, 1903, the company started figuring this out, okay. In 1921, the Harrison Act banned the import of cocoa leaves. But, (laughs) always a but, right? That's why they have all these lawyers, right? But included within the legislation was a curious exemption for the Maywood Chemical Works, which could continue to extract cocaine from the leaf. <clears throat> so, right now, April 2023, and this is not an April Fools Day joke. <laughs> right now, the Maywood Chemical Company in New Jersey is manufacturing cocaine, okay? Just just put that out there, okay? <laughs> okay. Self deception, a process of denying and rationalizing away the relevance, significance, or importance of opposing evidence and logical argument. Self deception involves convincing oneself of a truth or lack of truth so that one does not reveal any self knowledge of the deception. We lie a lot to ourselves. There's a thing called self deception. I've talked a lot about um deception and i have a show over on youtube called how deception works and how it basically works is they have you know they don't walk up and punch you in the face the minute they meet you okay they have to get to you by charm (laughs) in different ways say those words that you're gonna like like talk about maybe you don't like the vaccines or something they say those words that are magic to your little ears and get you drawn in and then pretty soon you're just your whole world is full of all these little agents and you no longer have any friends or family. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that is the goal and that has been the end result. Now people trust those little agents. So anyway, so yeah. Deception is deception happens in many ways. It also happens in a way that we lie to ourselves, right? Is um I told that story once. It's easy to look for things to verify what you want, right? Um So anyway, so um, one other thing here, oh, I'm going to play this clip now, because one other key thing I had in my mind for a really long time was, and I've talked about this quite a lot recently, is why did we stop standing up, right? Why? Why, why, why did we stop standing up? Well, actually, there may be an answer to that, okay? Um, And this was a... um, this man wrote this memo, believe it or not, and uh, I found a clip about it because that'll give me a break to breathe here a second, and um, basically it wasn't that complicated how they got us to stand down, and obviously the people in front France didn't get the memo because they're burning that country up right now. <laughs> they're bringing out more cops. They're bringing out more people to challenge more cops, so that's the way it should be done, but I can't get into that right now, so let me let me play this clip right now. Because it all started, here again, the 70s. And I didn't include this. I did a show about 1971 you might want to look at that Talks about the overall takeover in the 1970s. But I did not know about this part here. So here we go.
1: started with a man and a memo you probably never heard of. In 1971, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce asked Lewis Powell, a corporate attorney, who'd go on to become a Supreme Court Justice to draft a memo on the state of the country. Powell's memo argued that the American economic system was under broad attack from consumer, labor, and environmental groups. In reality, these groups were doing nothing more than enforcing the implicit social contract that had emerged at the end of the Second World War. They wanted to ensure corporations were responsive to all their stakeholders, workers, consumers, and the environment, not just their shareholders. Powell and the Chamber saw it differently. In his memo, Powell urged businesses to mobilize for political combat and stressed that the critical ingredients for success were joint organizing and funding. The Chamber distributed the memo to leading CEOs in large businesses and trade associations, hoping to persuade them that big business could dominate American politics in ways not seen since the Gilded Age, and it worked. Chamber's call for a business crusade birthed a new corporate political industry practically overnight. Tens of thousands of corporate lobbyists and political operatives descended on Washington and state capitals across the country. I should know, I saw it happen with my own eyes. I worked at the Federal Trade Commission. Jimmy Carter had appointed consumer advocates to battle big corporations that for years had been deluding or injuring consumers. Yet almost everything we initiated at the FTC was met by unexpectedly fierce political resistance from Congress. At one point, when we began examining advertising directed at children, Congress stopped funding the agency altogether. I was dumbfounded. What had happened? In three words, the Powell memo. Lobbyists and their allies in Congress, and eventually the Reagan administration, worked to defang agencies like the FTC and to staff them with officials who would overlook corporate misbehavior. Their influence led the FTC to stop seriously enforcing antitrust laws, among other things, allowing massive corporations to merge and concentrate their power even further. Washington was transformed from a sleepy government town into a glittering center of corporate America, replete with elegant office buildings, fancy restaurants, and five-star hotels. Meanwhile, Justice Lewis Powell used the court to chip away at restrictions on corporate power in politics. His opinions in the 1970s and 80s laid the foundation for corporations to claim free speech rights in the form of financial contributions to political campaigns. Put another way, without Lewis Powell, there'd probably be no Citizens United, the case that threw out limits on corporate campaign spending as a violation of the free speech of corporations. These actions have transformed our political system. Corporate money supports platoons of lawyers, often outgunning any state or federal attorneys who dare stand in their way. Lobbying has become a $3.7 billion industry. Corporations regularly outspend labor unions and public interest groups during election years, and too many politicians in Washington represent the interests of corporations, not their constituents. As a result, corporate taxes have been cut, loopholes widened, and regulations gutted. Corporate consolidation has also given companies unprecedented market power, allowing them to raise prices on everything from baby formula to gasoline. Their profits have jumped into the stratosphere, the highest in 70 years. But despite the success of the Powell memo, big business has not yet won. The people are
0: beginning to fight back. Of course,
1: antitrust is making a comeback. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: This is what people like Robert Rex are for to <clears throat> then get you to think you have some hope, right? And send some money to his campaign. Anyway, that clip was called, How the Corporate Takeover of American Politics Began. Yes, 1971 was a very significant time, and I've also been saying for years that they have, in fact, been making this up <clears throat> as they go along, right? Pretty clear, right? They keep going along, making up new strategies. So let's get to the point here. Um, How do you get to the children? Well, separate them from their mothers, right? And go listen to my show about Saturn and these people and their relationships, which is non-existent with their own mothers, right? So the people, the one person in charge and I've documented them um, at psychopathinyourlife.com just click on the elite transgender section there I've documented how poorly they're doing as far as transgendering themselves Um, that's why they're selling this transhuman thing because they are fumbling things are not going well they're killing themselves off with diseases and stuff so same way they're killing us off with diseases they have a thing for diseases, right? so let me get focused here so This country has always, it's been based on eugenics and abuse, okay? And I did a show and you'll find orphan trains in the title. And these are things that I didn't cover for that show, okay? Because I kept thinking, how did they get all of these many psychopaths around us, right? And I'd like to make a very clear statement people abandoned by their mother or their parents or stolen which i believe a lot of these children were stolen have a right to process their own feelings okay Um, and they don't need these people defining them by some sort of mental illness Um, because for example the, the category of borderline personality disorder what is it no yeah borderline personality disorder bpd is an attachment disorder these people have cooked up, right? Well, because they're giving us these things. They're studying us. This is a human experiment going on, right? So they give us these titles, these disorders, right? And it's just a tragic thing because um, it dawned on me when I was reading this piece about um, just the psychiatric abuse and stuff, and this woman commented, and she had been abandoned as a child, and she said the, the the, the sick part of the whole deal is this, is that dealing with all of that, the trauma of all of that is bad enough, but then these people come along and put a mental illness category on it, and so you got to tick that box forever that you've been diagnosed with a mental illness, okay, and that happened to me also, so I've disclosed that, and, um, it's happened to a lot of us, okay, but the sad part is when it happens to one of us, very little solidarity, okay, um, And it becomes something that you no longer want to talk about because, um, well, they've now flipped the agenda now. Now, recently, all the kids are talking about, yes, I'm mentally ill. My doctor said I've got this and that, and these are all the pills I'm taking. So the whole mental illness thing, which I just can't get into right now, but the whole thing, recently, you can get pills by... Silicon Valley has been funding all these online pharmacies. So you can get... Pills for all of your mental illnesses now. And since this happened to me in the 90s when they first came up with all these pills, um, what happened was, was that it's become full circle, okay? Now it has become so accepted that these kids are actually diagnosing themselves and then going online and just getting the pills that these experts say that treat these different things. See, which is a, well, it's all about them making us sick, telling us we're sick and treating us like we're sick, right? And I also think that a lot of these smart meters are gonna have an imbalance in people being sick because if you're just getting a smart meter on regular doses, okay, I believe, I believe a hundred percent that it's making an increase in all this anxiety we're seeing. okay, I'm pretty sure about that. Can I prove it? No, of course not. But I can document what's going on. And if you go look at my website, just click on blog. I've been documenting it there. And uh, I can tell you our bodies, are electricity. Go listen to that show. Any kind of smart meter activity that can be increased at will from a central location will cause a great deal of anxiety. I'm talking a great deal of anxiety, okay? You start to feel like you're going to ratchet off the top of your head, okay? That kind of anxiety. And that in itself will drive a lot of people toward the meds. So I'm hoping I'm expressing this clearly, how we came perfectly healthy, right? But because we're, we're, we're all part of a eugenics program, whether you want to admit it or not, this is what it is, and the United States right now is the biggest human experience these people have pulled off. Because, for example, I'm pretty sure in going through all these dates is lots of fishy things like with Vietnam. Um, first of all, Ho Chi Minh isn't who you think he is, right? If, if you didn't get the memo, <laughs> they're all in it together, okay? But I believe that the early years of Vietnam, the the United States was serving as consultants, okay? And I believe it was the exact same thing as went on during the Marshall Islands. They acted like they weren't in the war, you know, with the whole deal with bombing Japan and stuff. Same deal with Vietnam. They acted like they weren't in there. And the dates certainly seemed to indicate that right as soon as the U.S. said they were in, well, historians now have tape of Johnson lying to get the United States into the war with the Tonkin thing, okay? So all this information is very easy to find out. So they have Johnson on record lying to get the United States into Vietnam, okay? But I'm not concerned about the lying part because I already figured that part out, right? But (laughs) the deal is this, is that that date when they caught him lying to get us into the war with the Tonkin deal, right? That really shows a great deal about deception because the guy who did the Tonka thing, the admiral, who participated in this scheme, right, was Jim Morrison's father, Jim Morrison of the Doors. They do these things on very high levels, so because how did they get, how did they sell us kids on the fact that Jim Morrison was more like us rather than some aristocratic kid? Well, you can look this up very easily. What they did was, when the Doors were first new, they needed to sell us Now remember, this is my interpretation. I was also there during the time, right? So um, they needed to sell us kids on the fact that Jim Morrison and these rock people were more like us than more like them, right? So at one of his very first performances in Boston, just look up Jim Morrison, The Doors, Boston Arrest. And it is the most staged, pathetic (laughs) looking arrest. you ever want to lay your eyes on so yeah, right at the same time they staged this fake Jim Morrison getting arrested thing so then we all thought he was one of us and against the war, right? but his dad had pulled off the big thing to get the country into the war because they're the elites, right? ELs EL means elites they're Saturnists, right? so, yeah <laughs> so and Jim Morrison I don't know he's played a bunch of people I mean, now he's playing Chubby Chase you know, Chase the banking people he's related to them um he played rush limbaugh i'm pretty sure and somebody else i can't remember but anyway so that is how like the full circle of deception starts right and it goes in the whole thing and they just pull us on one tiny little thread right (laughs) but and then they have these crazy ways of just like elon musk they sold him as um estranged from his father. I guess that would be so if anybody noticed his father was, oh, I don't know, an emerald miner and (laughs) running an emerald mine in Africa, (laughs) that people would notice his elite status. Yeah, so deception is a pretty interesting thing. So anyway, so yeah, so um, what's an orphan? An orphan is a child whose parents have died, are unknown, or have permanently abandoned them. In common usage, only a child who has lost both parents due to death is called an orphan. Okay, that's very important to know. A child must have lost both parents due to death to be an orphan, okay? But when referring to animals, only the mother's condition is usually relevant, okay? So if the the baby cow lost its mother, then that baby cow would be an orphan, but not if he lost his father, see what I'm saying? But in all cases, that child has permanently lost both parents, okay? And early on, and this is totally out of place, I'm sorry, early on um, in this game board, um, we had a lot of beliefs that these people are always talking about how much they love children, and they're always talking about And people want to glom on to things about, oh, they're drinking children's blood, or they're doing this and that. Well, you know, personally, are they doing any of that? Well, they go to a lot of elaborate ways to try to convince people of that. It makes for good YouTube shows, right? It makes for a lot of speculation. But I have chosen to not overly engage in that area because, frankly, there's enough horror that I can show you in real solid research, right? I don't need to start stretching (laughs) coming up with things okay so because and this is totally out of place but I had what I did was in in looking further at how they breed these um, detached people and by detached I also mean through the vaccines and stuff we've got high incidence of autism and I'm not inferring that all of these people are psychopaths by any stretch of the imagination but there is a detachment going on right the ability for a whole population to overlook all the things that are going on in this country shows a huge detachment. <laughs> At least it does to me. So while I was looking through my detachment files, um, I had this old article I would had for a long time, and I'd like to read it to you. And um, I may have read it once before, but it was the September 1906 edition of Cosmopolitan magazine recounts a story once told of an old Native American chieftain the chieftain was given a tour of the modern city of New York. On this excursion, he saw the soaring heights of the grand skyscrapers and the majestic majest, majesty of the Brooklyn Bridge. He observed the comfortable masses gathered in amusements at the circus and the poor huddled tenements. Upon the completion of the chieftain's journey, several Christian men asked him What is the most surprising thing you have seen? The chieftain slowly replied with three words, Little children working. In accordance with this vision, Alexander Hamilton, as secretary of the treasury, noted in a 1791 report on manufacturing that children who would otherwise be idle could become a source of cheap labor. Around the same time, the influential Niles Register noted that factory work was not for able-bodied men, but rather better done by little girls from 6 to 12 years old. And this, in a nutshell, is the history of children in this country. And I'm in the Midwest. They just busted some people with children. (laughs) Where, Where are they getting the next generation of these immigrant children from? Well, from immigrants. They're getting these children now. I mean, they they busted them here in the Midwest with uh, putting children in the most dangerous jobs, which I would imagine would be cleaning um, slaughterhouses. And, um, yeah, children are there because you get a bunch of immigrant people. The family's trying to make a living, high rents. See see what I'm saying? So right now they're breeding the next group of children. See, See how it works? By letting all these immigrants in through the border. We're becoming that movie Soylent Green, okay? So they believed that children, children being idle was a sin, okay? And remember too that who set up this entire country? Well, every church, every town had a church, right? And then pretty soon every town had a church and a hospital. And in the middle, they started getting cops, right? So see how it all started to work because they found that one out of eight children were employed in the 1870s, okay? But now, but then they found that between 1890 and 1910, no less than 18% of all children, 10 to 15% work, okay? So the majority of them, 20% of the kids are working. So these people are chronic liars, so I'd have to say that, yeah, probably most children work, okay? Um, so... Um, anyhow so in how the whole game has worked is this is they always show this interest in the children right well I bet if you started some children's aid societies that that might just might remember I'm discussing here that might further keep children away from their mothers right because it gives a vehicle a place for people to drop children or people to perhaps provide children to let's say that you're unscrupulous and you can turn over some children that, <clears throat> that you say are adopted that you say don't have homes and get money for them a lot of the stuff was going on and I've already spoken about it already but so I am of the belief my belief you can have your own that likely the majority of these children were stolen. Because if you go back and listen to my shows about the orphans, okay? It's got orphans in the title, not hard to find. There was an active effort. Russia was going around gathering up baskets of children from villages and stuff. A lot of children during this era were being gathered up, okay? And at first, I saw it as gathering up these children to provide the workforce, right? Because that would be a logical conclusion, right? So, but I no longer believe that. I, I, I believe it served a t- dual purpose, okay? They gather them up to separate them from their mother to breed more people like themselves, these psychopaths in charge who don't know their own mother because they are the one person in charge are men, are women acting like men. So, Yeah, so they don't know who their own mother is, right? In their little 1% family, these little fake little royal families and stuff, we see who they say their mother is, right? But that is not their mother because their mother was transgender themselves. So that mother could not have had them. So they have not been having their own children for quite a while. So if you can start to follow me here, you can see it starts to breed this, this type of distance, right? This type of emotionless, right? Disconnectness, right? And I believe that happens when you take the mother out of the picture. Because look at all their efforts. They got the women to believe that Gloria Steinem, that man in a wig telling women that get out and work. Men are worthless. Don't bother to marry one. <laughs> it's been all to deceive women. Because they know that the majority of women... Will run in front of a speeding train to save any child. Matter of fact, I was looking into the My Lai thing in Vietnam because we've all heard these things out of the backs of our heads. And in Vietnam, they talk about the My Lai massacre, okay? Well, I don't believe in turning my eyes away from things, so I revisited it. And I believe that what went on there happened in a lot of locations in Vietnam during that era. Can I prove it? Of course, I can't prove it. But that's what I believe. Um, and they even said during the My Light that what happened, it was women and children, and women, first thing did. Anyway, so. I don't apologize for showing emotion, and I'm never going to. We should have been yelling and crying all along. Okay, so so how how did they how did they build you know, I've been talking about they got us surrounded. How did they get us surrounded? Because remember, it would also take a certain type of personality that would either be way too empathetic who would believe all their lies or a person who could be as evil as they are in going after the rest of us, okay? So I think we're looking at breeding two different kinds of personalities, right? But I think you probably end up breeding the latter, somebody who didn't get a fair shake themselves at life, didn't have mom, and you know, a whole, I mean, just a million issues, right? Um, So you got that. So that kind of personality type may breed the kind of personality type who would, um, let's say, work for the utility company and be okay with going out and yanking up the power on some people's smart meters, right? They would be willing participants in this kind of terror, right? So I I think we really have a couple categories of people they've created. People who are more willing participants and more distant themselves from more of a psychopathic type type of a distance. And those that are, frankly, just so numbed out that they're just going along to get along, right? So <laughs> probably a couple groups in there, okay? But I believe these groups get started by these children's groups, okay? Um, and this is this is how they got the tentacles into us, right? So this is why I'm talking about this today because it starts to, all the things I've been talking about start to make sense here with how they got all of these children And the one thing about the orphan train children that has always stuck with me, all of those children were told that they were the only one. Yeah, let that sink in. So, yeah, so anyhow, so who started the orphan trains? Well, this group out of New York called Children's Aid, okay? And it was founded by a Yale college graduate, of course, and a philanthropist named Charles Loring Brace with financial support from New York businessmen and philanthropists in 1953. Excuse me, yeah, 1953. So here again, I'm pretty comfortable that the game board probably got set up. They came over here around 1700s and started tricking all of us over here, right? Um, uh, so they started them to ensure the physical and emotional well-being of children and provide them with the support needed to become successful adults. Brace was appalled by the thousands of abandoned, abused, and orphaned children living in the slums and on the streets of New York at the time. The only options available to such children at the time were begging, prostitution, petty thievery, and gang membership, or commitment to jails, almshouses, and orphanages. Okay, so... Um, so the tentacles, which is very interesting about these people, the children's aid, and they're the ones who came up with the idea for the orphan trains in 1853, okay, they were some of the first industrialized schools, the first parent-teacher associations, the first free school lunch programs, which I might add that now, um, the doing this talking about free lunch for kids in this country again and it's <laughs> don't get me started but there's four states in this country that are willing to provide free f- food to children at school four four only four the rest of them get shamed for lunch at school okay so uh, the first free dental clinics for children the first days of handicapped children you know uh, the first schools for handicapped see this what they're, they're, what they're doing here is their tentacle setting right they did the first kindergartens in the United States, the first foster home. So they set the rules for all this stuff, okay? They set the criteria. They set all the rules, okay? The first fresh air vacations in which urban children visit host homes in the country for the summer. Toy, dro- toy drives for children during the holidays. So that is who set up the kids on trains, okay? And if you haven't listened to that show yet, I would encourage you to. But anyways, the Orphan Train Movement was a supervised welfare program that transported children from crowded eastern cities of the United States to foster homes located largely in rural areas of the Midwest. The orphan trains operated between 1854 and 1929, relocating about 250,000 children Oh, just somebody's barking. Um, okay. So, they claim 250,000 children, right? <clears throat> okay. The founders, the co-founders of the orphan train movement claimed that these children were orphaned, abandoned, abused, or homeless, but this was not always true. They were mostly the children of new immigrants and the children of the Poor and destitute families living in these cities. So that <clears throat> that would certainly start to um, emotionally, you know, when, when you figure that the numbers for this country are lies, okay? I mean, do we really know how big the population is? No, not really. I mean, who, who could figure this out, right? Um, but even admitting that 250,000 of these children were transported around and likely taken from their mothers could certainly set up a certain type of population. And then of those children that know this happened to them, then what happens to them? Well, th- these people get a hold of them and claim that that kid has got some kind of mental illness and puts them on pills. See how it all starts to work? So what I'd like to do here is um, I like to give myself a, a quick break, and um, I'm going to. Um, yeah, it's still rolling. Okay, I found this um, clip because we come full circle. Okay, 1933, they came up with the FD, FDIC. They also came up with. Uh, well, FDR did a lot of harm. Okay, if you believe that FDR did any good, look 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 a little bit closer. Okay, because uh, I'll just name off a few things. Okay, the uh, GI Bill was not really open to black soldiers. Okay, the um, that would cut them out of the housing. They, they 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 wiped the black people out of any kind of upward mobility at, at every, every step. Okay, um, they um, they declared all of us enemies of the state. Thirty three. Um, the people who got to go work on those big projects to rebuild American stuff, all those they call them shovel ready projects. Well now I don't know about every single case okay but <laughs> the one case I did find um, and look further okay is um, those people were offered they were paid something like 30 bucks a day for this project but because the projects were away from home their cost of living got subtracted so the real income was like five. it, it was like a company town okay they got like five bucks out of the deal so at every step along the way there's crookedness and craft, okay? So, this is a. I, I'd like to play this just because I want to document it here in my show. Because, um, this is FDR did what he called the fireside chats, okay? And, um, where he got cozy with people essentially and got everybody to love him, right? So, people loved him. And um, so they tuned into these fireside chats to, you know, be lied to by him. And uh, he was he was one of their better liars. <laughs> so, and interest. What I found really interesting is his very first um, fireside chat was during the banking crisis in 1933. <laughs> and uh, I don't know where are we right now? Where are we right now? Banks are tumbling like dominoes. Okay, here we go time our nation's economy nearly grounded okay wait a second oh shoot let me start again (laughs) listen this this may or not if if i have something more to say i can make it to the microphone i'll keep talking but (laughs) at least i'm going out with a consistent pattern (laughs) let me get this audio adjusted (laughs) okay let's see here okay come on jane why can't i hear you what have i done here okay with the initials FDR... Okay, let me start over. Last time, our nation's economy nearly ground to a halt. A newly elected president with the initials FDR tried just about everything to get it moving again. He led with bold actions and inspiring words. This morning, we look back to those times with two reports. We begin with John Dickerson.
2: Long lines for food, for relief. Fear and despair. Though black and white, the pictures from the Great Depression echo America in the COVID era. National suffering and frustration. The virus is new. The struggle is not.
0: If this entire operation isn't, in fact, <laughs> also a cut-and-paste operation, then I rest my case. Our British primary task is to people to
2: In 1933, newly elected Franklin Delano Roosevelt confronted 25% unemployment, the collapse of banking, and sweeping poverty. His response would reshape the way the country thought about itself, its president, and democracy.
3: The United States was in the fetal position, and uh, people really wondered whether we would ever get out of this.
2: Jonathan Alter is author of The Defining Moment. FDR's Hundred Days and the Triumph of Hope. We spoke inside the Manhattan home where Roosevelt slept the night he learned that he had won the presidency.
3: Roosevelt uh, believed in what he called action and action now. This nation is asking for action and action now. And he used that word uh, in his inaugural address six times. It actually got more applause
2: then uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. While Roosevelt was ready for action, he had to make sure the country was too. At a time when the tenets of democracy itself were being questioned, he recast the social contract, convincing the American public they were all in it together. What is the new deal? It's it's a deal between...
0: That is a very key point. They always convince us that we're all in this together, right? They go to war, they do something, it becomes we, right? Just like Silicon Valley Bank. They're obviously into massive amounts of money, right? Until they get into trouble, then they want the government and we, they become a we at that point, right? So that same strategy has been through this entire process. Whatever they do, they always come to us Sometimes humbly and acting like, well, this was a very bad mistake that my predecessor made, right? See, they, this is where they have a two-party system. So they can always say, well, the last guy really screwed you over, and I'm here to say that I'm sorry. <laughs> Not a complicated plan. Not a complicated plan. Okay, so let's keep going here.
3: The government and the people on what they expect of one another. And before Roosevelt was president, it was basically every
2: man for himself rugged individualism you know the only real contact the american people had with the federal government was when when they went to the post office to buy a stamp roosevelt changed all of that he changed it by offering information and hope says professor and historian david woolner at the roosevelt family estate in hyde park new york people would gather around their radios and they would listen to their president explain what the government was trying to do
0: and this was very very reassuring
2: The famous fireside chats were few in number, but were symbolic of a connection between the patrician Roosevelt and those suffering with poverty, something the president understood because he had suffered, says Susan Dunn, a Roosevelt scholar at Williams College.
0: I would say that the symbol of his presidency, of his life, is Warm Springs, Georgia.
2: Roosevelt was stricken with polio in 1921. He never walked again. During his recovery, he built a facility in Warm Springs, Georgia for other polio sufferers and took charge of its operation.
0: And it helped him to relate to all kinds of people. It's leading a life of kindness, of respect, of responsibility for the people we know as well as for the people we don't know. That's what a real democracy requires. That's the moral basis of democracy. With the
2: country's support for his spirit of experimentation, Roosevelt unleashed a flock of programs.
3: They went to work building the infrastructure of this country in ways that are almost unimaginable now. They built 39,000 schools, 2,500
2: hospitals, more than 300 airports, 800 state parks. The Hoover Dam, the Lincoln Tunnel the Tennessee Valley Authority, among the many major projects created with a Congress willing to work with the president. That didn't mean Roosevelt was without enemies.
3: I think there's a kind of an assumption that everything for him worked, but he had a very, very strong uh, opposition. There was plenty of partisanship, and there were plenty of uh, Republicans and some Democrats who thought that he was becoming a dictator.
2: Soon enough, Roosevelt would be fighting real dictators in the Second World War, which ultimately lifted the country out of the Depression. America became a beacon for the world, and its leader Roosevelt offered a new way to measure the worth of a nation. And he said, you know, the test of our progress is not whether we provide much to those who have much, but whether we provide enough to those who have too little. That is the test posed by FDR for America's leaders today not just to survive, but to plot a course for a way to emerge from this crisis stronger.
0: Yes, and that was FDR. So, I think that, um, let me check my notes here real quick. Um, yeah, so the tentacles got set by the Frank School people, which really wasn't a school but a group of people thinking. um, The abuse of the children and their minds set the whole family court system going, would have been these people with the children's aid group out of New York. And it is merely my opinion that these groups were never set up to help anybody, okay? And that is, continues to be my opinion. And I'd like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to hit the microphone. Um, I'd like to close out with some news about the Ohio deal. Um, There's been another barge that's got, oh, I don't know, methane or something. Well, they're saying it hasn't started leaking yet on the Ohio River. Um, Obviously, there's an attack on the Ohio River. Um, I believe that this is all targeted. They're taking out our water system. And, um, you know, every day there's another major accident, right? And what I think is going to happen with the people unfortunately in Ohio is this is I've been looking into old railroad laws in this country so this is how they really start to trick us right because they come up with these old laws that they did in place a few hundred years ago well I'm not a hundred percent sure not a hundred percent sure yet because I've been reading through um there's groups of attorneys that have fi- filed suits against railroads <laughs> so <laughs> it's um yeah pretty interesting reading but it's also kind of Kind of can make you feel a little fuzzy sometimes, right? So here's what, I, what I'm thinking right now from what I understand is um, I think that, first of all, people in Ohio are not getting help to get moved out of there, okay? I, I think a few people are getting help, but what they do is it's by omission, right? They're just not testing for the right things. But the word dioxin is coming out, and um, I believe this is about dioxins, and I believe that that was why they created... Agent Orange during Vietnam was for what's going on right now with unleashing these dioxins. They want us to believe that they've advanced to become these terrific people running the matrix and stuff, but they really have not. Okay, facts are facts. Okay, whether you want to accept them or not is a different issue, but facts are facts. Okay, the same thing they've been developing. We got the Marshall Islands, we got you know. Russia, and every part of the game board just got different treatment, right? In this country, around the same time that we were getting FDR and all that, well, the Russians were getting the gulag. And that gulag is something else. Um, Basically, they sent people who were dissenters to different areas, and that was what built the Russian economy. See, these things are just being built up now, okay? All this labor force needed... By this country so they needed to use children and stuff in the 1800s then over to Russia they had the gulag going on and the gulag actually is just fascinating to, to look into uh, and it all has to do with people's fear of death because that's the that's the interesting part about all this these people worship Saturn okay part of their belief system very much 100 percent is reincarnation okay but in order for this to all work, it had to be that people feared death, okay? Because how else could you get somebody to go to a place in the gulag and work hard labor? And I'm talking hard labor, okay? They barely got shovels. <laughs> I mean, they're we're talking hard labor, okay? Now, I don't know how much of it is propaganda, but I have watched a fair amount of it to believe that the gulag did, in fact, go on, okay? So each area had their own ways that they constructed their part of the game board, right? And it appears to me, just between looking at this place here, when they they went the, let's just just take the easy route and steal the children and, and toss them onto trains and get a bunch of immigrants in, right?, whereas the Russians went the more intense route where they went out and rounded up people on trumped-up charges and stuff and literally sent them off to the Gulag to work for an extraordinary amount of years, okay? And the kind of labor that went on, I'm talking extraordinary, okay? (laughs) So, um, and all of these things were building up these portions of the game board right china we have the great leap forward see if you look at the history of each of these countries some of them they closed off for 20 or 30 years Now, why were they doing all this if this wasn't a game board right because they were learning about how to manage their own populations that's what it's all about and that's why this smart meter thing is about managing their own population they've tried the gulag (laughs) they've tried this they, they tried the potato famines and rushing people around on boats. <clears throat> they've, they've tried all these human experimental ways, okay? Now we're into the radiation and the, you know, le- electrified weapons part, okay? That's where we are right now. But in order to get to where we are right now, they had to do all these other things, right? So how did they get participants in all these other things? Well, because everybody feared death so they went ahead and put up with it right when you got hauled off to the gulag you just went right same way that people just got you know when they got to this country i don't i don't believe that most people that came to this country really ended up in the place they thought they were going to right because (laughs) pretty easy to hand somebody a brochure in ireland (laughs) and tell them where they're coming to and then you switch locations i mean come on you, you can't imagine that none of that was taking place right like, I went through all the ports in um, uh, Louisiana. A lot of stuff happened in Louisiana. At first, I was thinking it all happened on Ellis Island, but Louisiana is where a lot of stuff happened. Louisiana, the French deal, the, the money deal in Louisiana. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff came in through Louisiana that just didn't have any kind of record-keeping, right? And then they had the year in the 1800s where, whoops, all the census records go missing. So, you know... And I'm trying to say this without sounding like I'm bragging or anything, but they have, in fact, been making this up as they're going along, right? And I think if you would, you know, I've, I've, I've over, un- underturned every rock um, in the last few years especially. And um, it, it's all being made up, and it's all being played out. I believe there was, uh, there's a master kind of a strategy and stuff, but the actual logistics and all that, is being a lot of it's just being made up as they go along and they they've done some pretty pretty good things as far as crowd control because most people is as in the majority of people will believe the Edward Snowden story right so that was really well played on their part right because most people believe that this stuff is really going on um so yeah and most people no matter how much they say they may or may not trust the government Most people, it will stretch their imagination to the point that they will not listen to the fact that they're going after us right now with smart meters. It just won't happen because it's just a bridge too far. And I believe it all connects to that fear of death that's going on with everybody. So you get everybody fearing death and you can do a lot of things because let me tell you, let's say you ended up in one of these radiation experiment places, right? And um, like they were doing with all these service people and stuff. Well, I mean, <laughs> what would be the worst case if you made a run for the door, right? They shoot you in the back? I mean, come on. <laughs> so, but instead, you'd strap yourself up to a table and get all this horrible testing done? Well, I, I think it happens twofold. I think that a lot of those people, before they got strapped up in this big experiment that's been going on all this time, I think there's been a lot of salesmanship, right? Um, like I know the people on Bikini Island, they were sold that setting off all those nuclear things was a good thing because it'll help the world. And they did that because Christians had told them this stuff, right? So it seems to me that the Christians got there first, then they sold this stuff, and then they justified it. See how it all starts to play together? Because I believe a lot of people... The biggest selling tool they've had is that the ends justify the means, right? So (laughs) it's like, you know, how else could you join a profession that just a few years ago, lobotomies were a thing, right? And they were only doing lobotomies up until the 50s when they came up with stronger psychiatric drugs to dull out women, okay? So, yeah, being said, it's being made as they go along the way they are making this up as they go along the way right but i also believe that all in order for the next steps to really work so what is the next step well i don't really know i mean they're poisoning all the water that that means they're poisoning themselves so we're dealing with some people who are aggressively out to destroy everything right they, they've taken over the game board obviously right <laughs> so they've taken over the game board and um, pretty soon, uh, nobody's going to have drinkable water. And uh, I, I don't know. I, unfortunately, I'm not going to be around to see it, or fortunately. I don't know how you want to look at it. But, um, yeah, it, it seems like it's, um, well, it's, it, it, it would appear to me that <clears throat> we'd hopefully get a lot more people paying attention. And I would like to take this opportunity to encourage you to download as much of my work as you want to hear in the near future. Download it in, put it someplace, but anyway, so, um, yeah, so I I don't know what to say, because the end game is obviously, you know, like I said, the last week, there was a, well, the barge that's um, floating with the methane in it, that is still floating, okay, (laughs) nothing's happened with that thing, Um, people in Ohio are being denied resources to get out of that town, I think they're going to play the end game, and I think that Norfolk Southern is going to play some endgame. Because like I said before, i am kind of wandered off here. I've been looking through all these railroad legal papers. And uh, I think, and remember, I think, so look further. I think there's some deal that has to do with that track that runs through all these towns. And full disclosure, those are, um, they're called class... Class a. Anyway the, the type of railroad That carries these dangerous chemicals I have one of them Two blocks from my own house here Now It's a shame That they can't reroute these things And put them in other places Like oh I don't know Silicon Valley But <laughs> but, but The reality is Those trains Are routed through What they used to call The wrong side of the tracks <laughs> Those of us Who live on the wrong side of the tracks Are subjected to those trains Okay and i think and i don't know for sure but i think that what's going to happen because they're they're coming up with some sort of su- supreme court deal over trains okay because another big significant thing that's going to be coming up any day now they tied this whole railroad thing to the truck drivers and stuff and they, they've been working on old bad contracts for oh ever so anyway so what i think's going to happen is this thing is coming up like real soon for the um Supreme Court to weigh in on the railroad industry, okay? We know they're going to weigh in on the side of the big industry, right? But I think what's going to happen is this, is when they set all this up, probably, this happened. Those specific tracks that go through, they have it so portioned out, okay? What they've done is they set up this big Ponzi deal, from what I can tell, because the train companies they don't control those cars and stuff they this is how they run all their businesses okay it's it's the it's the chaos version okay you set up all these NGOs those are non-government organizations you set up all these like the UN does all that you set up all these auxiliary places and that just removes you further and further from liability right so in the train business they haul this the the train companies haul these cars (laughs) for the other companies across common railroad tracks and blah, 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 blah. So I believe that what's going to happen is that somewhere in these old laws, there's something saying that these trains can drive through wherever they want. And that was the reason why they they set Ohio back up again. Because there is a regulation that if there is a disaster in the town where that train runs through, that train has to stop running. Get where I'm going here? So... As long as they can get their friends at the EPA and stuff to not ever say that this was a disaster, which, in fact, what's going on in East Palestine, Ohio, is likely the largest, and I mean the largest, chemical explosion in the history of this entire country. That's why everybody's being like so silent on it, right? I think it's getting some exposure now because people are starting to realize that, hey, those train tracks are rolling everywhere, right? If you're in Chicago or someplace, all those train tracks converge there. So I would be aware of, if you live in this country, and I say this in all sincerity, I would be aware of, if you live like I do near the tracks (laughs) or the other side of the tracks, (laughs) what is rolling through your town, okay? And I always thought the idea of, keeping a getaway bag packed was a crazy idea, but I really sincerely think this now, okay? If you live near one of these tracks, I think it's probably a good idea to just get a little bag set up by your front door, okay? And get a leash for your dog in the bag and some food and stuff like that in the bag, and just get a little getaway bag set, okay? Because there was one other explosion I can't remember. It was another explosion. It wasn't the barge. It was another explosion that happened in the last day or so. And um, those people were told to evacuate, like, right away. Okay. So I think it's relatively a good idea. And this is preparedness, not fearfulness, right? If you live near the tracks, um, <laughs> probably a good idea to get a handbag next to your door and get what you need for your pets. Um, because the goal is is that they're, they're, they're going to play out this game. Um I read something the other day. It was interesting that of all the COVID money that got made, you know, there were like 40 billionaires were created. Interestingly enough, most of those billionaires were out of China. See how they all work together? So, yeah. So, um. yeah, they're running out the game board. The United States is going to get hit the hardest. And um, the amazing thing is, and I'd like you to really think about this because I believe this. I believe the biggest trick of all was that this country (laughs) tricked everybody into thinking Germany was the evil ones, right? Because I imagine, and I'm just imagining, right? Had I been born and raised in Germany, you know, let's say during the war, okay? Um, I imagine that I'd probably have some pretty strong feelings about what went on on the part of my government, right? Like, did my government lock up people that I knew or, you know, just things like that, right? But I also imagine that Germans have ended up at the butt of a lot of jokes, right? Oh, you're from Germany. What do you think about the not you know see what I'm saying? I'm not gonna start repeating them, but all I'm saying is that i I can imagine that I did that show about Germany because the Germans themselves all got tricked themselves, right? But what's happened is is that no one no one knows really not many of us know that the Germans themselves got tricked, but um they've grown up with this legacy oh you're from germany see what i'm saying um whereas people from the united states are like yeah i'm from the united states and i'm proud of it right well <laughs> the crazy part <laughs> the psychopath that everybody took their eyes off of was in fact the united states it never was germany was it it just never was germany and that has been the biggest trick of all and you know, I, you know it, it must have been terrible to be from Germany all these years. But then also, remember, too, everybody kind of got screwy treatment all over the world because in this country we've got a whole bunch of beaten up and traumatized people who thinks the American dream was so great, and they missed out on it, right? So they don't want to talk about how poor they are. Nobody wants to talk about the people living under the bridges. Just go look for yourself. But anyway, so I think that what's going to happen here is um, I'm going to wrap this up. I, you know, may have more to say. Um, what's going on is that um, there are certain chemicals that are being used, okay? And so it's, it's actually plumbing the outside of my house, which is happening from that transformer. And when they get the inside of your house, which happens through your smart meter, okay? And because I have the extreme version, it comes up through everything, okay? Like even your electrical outlet, okay? Your electrical outlet You'll you'll be able to smell, not smell, coming out your electric outlet. For example, I have an electric stove. And I'm assuming, don't know much about electricity before all this, but I'm assuming that because I had to have a special kind of outlet for an electrical stove, when I'm by that stove, super strong, okay? So what I'm saying is that it comes in in every possible direction because it is in fact in all of your wiring okay not just a little bit of it but all of it okay (laughs) so um because I've had the opportunity because um when you get the smell it, it it's over okay but anyway so because um and remember I'm commenting not complaining because this has been an interesting opportunity because I have to remind myself because there's sometimes it gets pretty horrible okay I um, cut myself off again. At least I'm being consistent, right? Okay, so I was talking about the electrical stuff. Okay, so um, you'll give yourself a break from the high utility bills and just be aware because, um, remember, it's just, I just have to keep reminding myself that this is a game board, right? And um, what the ultimate purpose is is that only you will know that, right? You should know why you're here and what are you hoping to accomplish that is what all of our life goals are, right? So, I don't believe it's any more complicated than that. When you start to think complicated, just reel it back in because it probably isn't. So, um, yeah, so I will, um, when this is uploaded, if I think of something significant, but I really wanted to talk about the South America thing with the Nazis. I wanted to talk about how we got all these disassociated people. And remember, none of this was through these people's fault. So they may be a generation or two away from the association right because if this started happening back then those several generations have come along since that rupture of the structure of the mother and the environment right so and what a better plot than by people who didn't have a mother themselves right because they already have that psychopathic distance kind of thing going on for themselves and that makes us look like and be able to be viewed as bugs and i did look at that psychiatrist um he was the early one i talked about him on the last show as far as the frankfurt because there was an early psychiatrist who talked about that we needed to be treated like circus animals and in fact that is what it has become over here we have the rings going with the social media we have everybody too busy to even lift their heads up. So yeah, Circus House come to town. I'm going to close this out for now. I uh, certainly think that you know I'll be back if I can think of something that I want to say and um, or can say. And I would encourage you to download as much of my work as you can and be safe out there. And goodbye for now. I wish I could, (coughs) excuse me, I had to start coughing. Vive France, you go French. Everybody should be watching the French. Everybody should be watching the French. They're kicking ass. Everybody should be watching the French. You have my full admiration and support. I certainly hope that um, everybody's thinking about what's your position on the game board. Is it going to be a strong position or are you going to be more like the French? I wish we were all like the French. The French certainly have my admiration.